If you have a Bible uh, this evening, we turn to Joshua in chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. And thinking uh, this evening of church discipline. And uh, when I wrote the sermon, uh, I didn't write the gripping introduction. Uh, I, I left that because I anticipated that there would arise uh, within the media a striking case of discipline. Because that is how our world is within business or within sport or within politics, there is regularly a case of discipline. And my anticipation was right, wasn't it? That we have Mr. Pincher now who is being disciplined by the Tory party for his misbehaviour. A misbehaviour which he has acknowledged, a misbehaviour which has been discussed by various government committees, a misbehaviour over which the, the Prime Minister has made his views known. And so we, we come this evening within a world, within a context, within families which are familiar with this concept of discipline. And as we think of the church filled with ordinary people, fallen people, redeemed by the grace of Christ, this dimension of fatherly, loving, pastoral discipline is also a feature. We're looking at the book of Joshua through this prism of it being a window of the church of Christ. We look through the, the windows into the church of Jesus Christ and we are noticing different aspects and attributes of Christ's church. The first five chapters are the, the basic introduction to the book of Joshua, to the conquest and the vision of the promised land. And we noticed aspects of Christ's church within those chapters, faithful service, you were familiar with now in chapter 1, surprising conversions in chapter 2, the presence of Christ in the ark in chapter 3, the historical connections in the stones that were erected from the riverbed of the Jordan in chapter 4, and then the sacraments that we thought of last Sabbath day in chapter 5, and, and, and wonderfully in Providence were able to, to celebrate one of those this morning. And we begin the, the second section then in, in chapter 6 of uh, the mighty victories of, of Christ in, in the walls of Jericho coming down. Uh, and thinking of times past in, in Newton Ards uh, and the mighty power of Christ being demonstrated uh, within this very town in 1859. And this evening then we come to, to another dimension of Christ's church of discipline. You remember Jesus spoke profoundly, not often, but profoundly about his church 
from time to time. And one of the key places where Jesus spoke about the church was in Matthew chapter 16. He gave that tremendous promise, I will build my church, something that he continues to do today. And we rejoice in new, a new member joining the Newton Arts congregation this evening. But alongside of that promise, you remember, Jesus said to his apostles as representatives of the leaders of his church that he would give them the keys of the kingdom. And the traditional and proper, I believe, understanding that, the understanding that James Bannerman in his uh, definitive two volumes on the Church of Christ, the 19th century Scottish theologian, he explains those keys as opening the door to new members and opening the door to excommunicate erring members. And so the keys of the kingdom have this two dimension of bringing in to Christ's church those who give a credible profession of faith, but also letting out of Christ's church those who give evidence of not living for Christ or following in his way. And then, Joshua, we have evidence of both of this, don't we? In the previous chapter, we have Rahab being brought in to the church of Christ. And we remember the phrase in the sixth chapter, she is living in Israel until this day. It wasn't a spurious conversion. It wasn't a superficial commitment she made. There was a real work of grace in her heart and she was brought in to the church of Christ. But in this chapter, we have the use of the keys in another way. And here is Achan, the erring man with his sons and daughters, and he is put out of the visible church of Christ in, in the most extreme manner. So we're thinking of that second dimension of the use of the keys of the kingdom this evening as we come to think of, of church discipline. There's three points uh, this evening. There is the reasons for church discipline. There is the rules of church discipline. And there is the remembrance of church discipline. Let's think, first of all, of the reasons for church discipline, mainly in verses 1 to 9 of our chapter. And there's two reasons given here. Why should the elders bother with this? Why should the congregation be interested in this and at times desire this? There's two reasons here for us. Two abiding reasons, two reasons that we always have to wrestle with when we think of some erring member who's, who's living in a way contrary to the ways of Christ. One is God's wrath. And the second is people's solidarity. Firstly, God's wrath. This is the reason given in verse 1. And in verse, the last verse of the chapter, at the beginning, 
And at the end of this chapter, the anger of the Lord against his church is noted. And the anger of the Lord is come against his church because of the sin, Achan's sin, one of the members of the church. This is the reason given for the defeat of Israel at Ai. They adopted the same approach as they did at Jericho. They sent out the spies. They used the similar military tactics against that city. And yet they were successful at Jericho, but they failed in Ai. Joshua is confused. Joshua is distraught. Joshua uses this extreme expression of pain as he tears his clothes. What is God doing? God who has promised them this land. God who has brought them across the river Jordan. What is God doing? He's not privy to verse 1 in the chapter which the author gives to us that Achan has sinned. Joshua doesn't know this. But God reveals it to him that among the members of the church that there is someone who has disobeyed the direct command of God to devote the whole of the city of Jericho to destruction. And they have taken from that forbidden area what God had told them not to. And what is striking for us in this chapter, among many things, are the three verbs in verse 21. Here is Achan's confession, his articulation of the wrong that he has done in verse 21. And he uses three verbs. I saw, I coveted, I took. He saw the gold and the silver and the the special cloak. He coveted this for himself and he took these things of value. And these very same three words are used in Genesis 3 verse 6 of Eve in the Garden of Eden looking at the forbidden fruit, desiring the forbidden fruit, taking the forbidden fruit. There was Eve at the very beginning of humanity. Here is Achan at a new beginning in Israel's history, into a new land, into the promised land, committing the very same transgression. And as God was angry with our first parents and drove them out, so he is angry with Israel. And he demands discipline. One reason for church discipline is the anger of God against his church because of such sin. The second reason emphasized in this chapter is the solidarity of God's people. You see how the chapter begins But the people of Israel broke faith. They had this covenant with God and there were stipulations and conditions and rules and commands associated with the covenant. But it's the people of Israel. 
At the end of the verse, the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Down in verse number 11, Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant. Here is the people being considered as one. And and the sin of the one is attributed to them all. This is far more than one rotten apple in the barrel which will adversely influence and affect the other apples in the barrel. This is a transgression which is impacting the whole of the congregation. And so church members... And church leaders cannot disassociate themselves from the sins of church members or church leaders because of the solidarity. The Bible uses the figure of the universal church and of the local church of a body. And where one part of the the body is defective, it's affecting the whole so here. God says it's the people of Israel who have broken faith. Israel have sinned. So the reasons for church discipline is God's anger and our solidarity. We're in this together. We're all in the same boat and the actions of the one Impact everyone. And so we search our hearts tonight before God. Secondly, the rules for church discipline. Moving to verses 10 to 25. The rules for church discipline. How how do we go about this? What do we do? And Bannerman's just great on this. And I really encourage you. It would require a little bit of expenditure. Maybe it is online, but he has a wonderful insight and balance in how he talks about this. But in this chapter, the rules for church discipline, and there's three that seem to emerge from here to guide members and to guide elders in our work, to guide parents in their administration of the home. Big sins, strong evidence, and plural punishers. Big sins. What is to be disciplined? Well, we're all sinners. Saved by grace, we believe, we trust, but we still sin. Elders, members are not to require discipline for for every type of sin that's committed. For that boast that Jimmy Jones makes on the church outing. For that joke with the jab eh, that someone gives at the church door. For that selfish action which Mary performs over in the kitchen. But in this chapter... It's a big sin that's disciplined. What Achan takes here, the silver, the gold, the cloak, scholars have have worked out and determined that 
it was equivalent to what someone would earn in a lifetime. It wasn't a few shillings, a few pence. It was a massive amount that he took. Took what was forbidden. See in verses 14 to 18, eight times the word take is used. It's emphasizing he took it, he took it, he took it, and so on in other contexts. In verses 10 to 12, the Hebrew phrase and also is used five times. He took it, he stole it, and also he hid it and concealed it, emphasizing the considerable nature of this sin. Strong evidence. There's real tension, there's real drama. There's a real build-up in this chapter, isn't there? As, as the funnel narrows down from the whole congregation to the tribe of Judah and then right down to Achan and his family. And when it comes to him, to give him his due, he confessed, didn't he? There was no argument, there was no lying, there was no seeking to hide or... or, 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 or uh, absolve himself of guilt he he held his hands up and acknowledged yes I have done this but Joshua didn't stop there did he this guiding by lot the Urim and the Thummim the yes or the no right down to Achan Achan's confession but but Joshua he he wants the, the tangible the visible evidence for the whole eldership and congregation to see he sends the messengers to his tent. They uncover the silver and gold and the cloak and they bring it and they set it, or verses say, before the congregation so that everyone can see this. Here's the full open evidence of what has happened. And it's the basis of that clarity that the discipline takes place. Some people are used as scapegoats, aren't they? That there is some failure within government or business or, or, or some other area. And, and, and the crowd society is, is calling for justice, for some punishment, for heads to roll. And someone is pulled out and fired without any evidence or reason or substantial proof that they were the cause of this failure. But the church is to be different. Their discipline is to be based on Strong evidence. And Joshua finds it and sets it before the people. The text says, before the Lord. Here it is. And then, thirdly, the plurality of punishers. The punishment was severe, wasn't it? His wife isn't mentioned probably because she wasn't involved in this. His daughters and sons are mentioned probably because they were involved in this. Deuteronomy 24 says that the children will not be punished for the sins of their fathers. So based on that, our understanding, as Ralph Davis argues, is that 
His sons and daughters were involved in this. Perhaps they carried the silver and the gold for him. Perhaps they helped him conceal it in the tent. Certainly they didn't confess when this investigation began. But they're taken out then. Out to the valley of Achor. Which means trouble. And the severe punishment is not conducted by one person. In verse 25, but all Israel stoned him with stones. It was a solemn day. It was such a hard thing to do. No doubt there was trembling in their hands. There was tears in their eyes. There was brokenness in their heart. They had fought alongside of Achan against Jericho. Some of them had lived beside him. Their children had grown up beside his children. But it wasn't down to one man to administer the punishment. Nor was it down to all the elders to conduct the punishment. All the church was involved in this work. 1 Corinthians 5 deals with a case of New Testament church discipline. And there the apostle, he argues that the sin is big. There the apostle, he argues that the evidence is strong. And there the apostle says, the whole church is to be involved in the discipline. That the person who has been excommunicated, no one in the church should have them for dinner. Don't even eat with them. It's not just down to the leadership or one person to administer the discipline as here. This is a a united action. An action of the leadership and the membership in dealing with this case. The reasons for church discipline. The rules for church discipline. Big sins, strong evidence, plural punishers. And then thirdly, the remembrance of church discipline. The last verse emphasizes that this instance, this solemn event within the Old Testament church is to be remembered. It's to be remembered in Scripture. There are many battles which Israel fought in the conquest of the land of Canaan. They only lost one battle. But Scripture devotes a a whole chapter to that battle, to that event, to the reasons for their defeat. It, it, It lingers over this so that we will remember and reflect and, and learn and, and be guided in our lives. But it's not only remembered in Scripture, it's remembered in stone in, in verse number 26. I'm sure many 
of the, the members of the church would have been glad to, to bury Achan and his family with dignity. I'm sure many of the members of the church would even have been glad to scatter his ashes in a memorable place. But God wanted a monument raised up over him and his family so that they and we would remember and realize the solemnity, the importance, the warning of our lives. And so the church is to remember such moments. First Timothy 5 verse 20, those that persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. The memory of a public discipline is to be another controlling influence in our lives. I never want to be in that position in my life. Douglas Macmillan, whose book some of you have read, he wrote the, the great book on the, the Lord's Supper before he became a Christian. He, he used to be involved in the, the Highland Games. And he says that the, 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 the beer tent, he was always frightened to go near the beer tent in case one of the elders from the church would see him. And he would be rebuked for his behavior. The reasons... All kinds of reasons are suggested for the defeat at Ai. Joshua, well, he sent out the spies and they underestimated the number of people there, 3,000, when actually there was 12,000 in Ai. Joshua, he, he didn't pray, some commentators say, before he, he went on this venture. Joshua perhaps was too cocky. Others suggest, buoyed up by his conquest of Jericho, he just went ahead without much thought or, or planning against Ai. But the chapter says the reason for the defeat was none of those things. It was sin in God's people. And what a message for us, isn't it? You know, we, we think about the church and we can give all kinds of reasons and suggestions why our congregations are small. Why the church in, in the UK is, is compacting, declining, closing. And, and we suggest all kinds of reasons. Oh, it's society. It's the TV. It's the, it's the media. It's the celebrities with their lifestyle influencing. It's the, the pop songs that are having such an impact. Or it's the, the geographical movement of people coming out, away from the, 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 the rural areas and, and moving into the, the, the cities where there's more employment and business. And we can give all kinds of analytical reasons. But perhaps one of the main reasons is unconfessed sin in the heart some of God's people could it be could it be could it be when we think of Achan's sin perhaps we're not that far away from it sometimes in our life he put 
pleasure above precept. He puts earthly treasure above heavenly treasure. And haven't we done that at some times? I was really challenged in reading an account of John Newton. And I don't know if I would have the neck to do this. He was a really gifted pastor, incredibly wise. And he went to visit a parishioner whose house had just burnt down and her property gone up in smoke. And there she was, a godly parishioner, standing in the shell of her property. And he went into her house and said to her, I bring you joy, madam. What she said. With all my possessions consumed. What joy is in that? None, he said. But the joy is that you have so much property that fire cannot touch. That godly woman got it. Here is Achan, and, and we've been here too, haven't we? The treasures of earth have been more attractive than the treasure of heaven. so Jesus says, where your treasure is there, will your heart be. The reason the rules in this whole process of church discipline, one of the features which stands out is that though Achan confessed fully, freely, openly, he was still disciplined, wasn't he? That's how it is in politics. Mr. Pincher, with David, he confessed and was forgiven by God. But the consequences of his lifestyle were disciplined. As Achan went down to the valley of Acre, I hope he was a repentant man. And though he he received the, the ultimate excommunication, did he, like the dying thief, die in grace? There's an interesting verse in Hosea 2, verse 15. God speaking to Israel, I will turn the valley of Achor into a door of hope. The valley of Achor means trouble. And there, that valley of Achor, represented by Achan and the trouble he brought on Israel, God is going to turn the exile of his people into hope. He'll bring them out of exile again. God could do it for Israel. He could do it for Achan. But despite his confession, and maybe even despite the divine forgiveness, there was the discipline. 
Bannerman speaks beautifully and and wonderfully and and deeply about the, the limited power of the church. That the church at times has to deny someone the external privileges of the visible church. But they cannot touch the person's relation to the invisible church. The remembrance. We remember baptisms. We remember weddings. But we also remember the spine-tingling, hair-raising moments of church discipline. And we are to remember them and allow them to live in the very depths of our heart, to inspire us to holiness, to keep us on track, to preserve us down the road of commitment, grace, and humility. What a prayer that is in Psalm 19 with this idea behind who can discern his errors. Keep us The psalmist prays from hidden faults. Keep us from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless from the great transgression. You're probably familiar with a book of Puritan prayers called The Valley of Vision. And it's a wonderful book containing deep and insightful and challenging prayers from the era of the Puritans. And one of those prayers that I was looking at is entitled Paradoxes. And in this prayer called Paradoxes, it has this petition. Of all hypocrites, grant that I may not be an evangelical hypocrite who sins more fully because grace abounds. What a prayer. What a prayer to offer to our God that we'll not use his grace or misuse his grace, that we'll not be an evangelical hypocrite. Oh, I'll do this and the blood of Christ will cleanse me. Keep me, Lord, of all hypocrisy from being an evangelical hypocrite. If you're not a Christian, what a chapter this is for you. If you're not yet a Christian, The Apostle Peter, he reflects on a case like this of discipline within the church. And his question is, this is what happens in the church of those who profess faith. How will God deal with those who don't profess faith? What a warning's here if you're not yet a Christian. But that's not all we have to say to you. Because in this chapter, even in that moment, that poignant moment, that climax of the chapter when Achan and his sons and his daughters were led out of the the camp of Israel down into the valley of Achor, we see our Savior. 
As Achan bore his guilt to the place of execution, he is a type of Jesus being put out by the New Testament Pharisees and scribes bearing the sin of the world to the place of execution. That through his death, life and salvation and forgiveness will come to everyone who repents of our sins and believes in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 